You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Welcome to this week's episode of The Coaching Inn. Uh, and here we are in holiday season. And it's my pleasure to have Robbie Swale back for our last podcast of 2022. Welcome, Robbie. Thanks, Claire. I know, so I've got a big smile. It's very lovely to be speaking to you again. We've just spoken as we're recording and just come out not long before this. Um, we've just spoken for my podcast as well. So it's like, it feels really like a real treat to get to speak to you again, like a week later or something. Yes. Two, yes. two weeks later. And we're still going to have that walk in the hills. Mm. Uh, meet in real life. How amazing is that? It's going to be fun. So your goal, Robbie, <laughs> uh, for 2022 was mm. to record, to be guest on 100 podcasts. It or was. on 100 podcast episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <we're... laughs> well, that, that's important, Claire, because... Part of setting these these goals that feel to me like outrageous challenges. I got to say, partway through the year, when I, you know, someone very helpfully was telling me, a really nice man who was very helpfully telling me, "Oh, great that you're doing this. You're doing so well." I used to do like twenty in the last two weeks, and I was thinking, "Oh, okay, so maybe a hundred in a year is not so impressive if if you can do twenty in two weeks." But yeah, these kind of challenges, I've done them a few times in my business and, or you know, slash life, and they it's important to make up the rules yourself as you go in a way that serves it's important to me to make up the rules as I go in a way that serves me and I was like well look yeah two two appearances on the coaching in that should count twice for sure definitely because we're talking about something else yeah and different people will be listening and it's twice as likely that people will when they're skimming through your many many back episodes in the future that they'll stumble across me and and that's that's part of what it's about so tell us a bit about you for those of our listeners who are new to you today, Robbie. Yeah. So um, I work as a coach and broadly I think about that work as there being three three parts of it, three things that I'm interested in. So a, a big part of my one-on-one work, most of it, and actually most of my work with teams and groups is on leadership in different ways. Um, and we talked a bit last time about honour and why that's important to me, but I, the, the, I'm, I'm playing with calling it leading with honour you know the the leadership work meaning that um helping people do the things that like get their helping people achieve success without it feeling like they have to compromise who they are and and in some ways honor i think of it as doing the doing the right thing even when it's hard and in leadership and organizations that can be particularly difficult because there are ways that people find themselves i went through a phase i had this thought when i when i when i um had several clients in a row who basically starting new work with me who basically all said in almost the same way I want to do this I want to get this thing whatever the thing is and then they almost all said in the same way um but I feel like to do it I'd have to play this game or or like compromise this thing and I don't want to do that so leadership is a big part um coaching is a big part the craft of coaching so I do some training for coaches and I have a podcast that I just mentioned for the coach's journey and the community there because I really believe in the power of coaching to have an important impact on lots of the challenges that we face um and then i'm really interested in creativity and it, it really the, the kind of the gap between wanting to to make something happen from nothing and doing it um and most of us me included have had plenty of times in our lives where we've wanted to do something and not done it for a long time or ever and i get really curious how do we help people do those things and that's where um the 12 minute method which we talked more about last time my yeah. series of books um comes in as well as some of the other work that I do too. Yeah. I love leading with honour. Because mm. <laughs> it covers so many other words, doesn't it? It's not a word that's used a lot and it covers dignity, it covers integrity, it covers values, it covers all sorts of things. Honesty, authenticity, really. Yeah. There are lots of those words that get, that get touched. And yeah, I, I noticed that part of the reason I started thinking about it in more detail was Again, apologies for listeners who have listened last time. Hopefully you listened a long time ago to my last appearance. I might have said this then, that I realized at one point that, you know, I had a set of values that that, I, that had emerged for me from a, from an exercise. And I realized I talked about three of them all the time. <laughs> and I never talked about the fourth. And the fourth was honor. The other right. three were courage and vulnerability and truth, I think. 
and they form a part of how I run my group program, for example. They're like explicit when we start, when new people join, we talk about those as a reminder that courage and vulnerability and honesty uh, really uh, create a really powerful container for learning, especially learning in a group. But I never talked about honor there. And I was like, what is that about? And then I, and then I, then I saw this, this thing with these, I think, three clients showing up in the next mm. two weeks as if to say, yeah, this is the thing. You're doing it already. But maybe, like you said, maybe you should talk about it yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested about goals because you've done these 100 podcasts. And of course, I've done my 600 kilometer walk this year mm. and also got my thousand blogs. Thousand. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it's more than a thousand. Now. Well, thank you. And of course, the thousand blogs just happened by keeping on writing them. It wasn't a goal. It was just if you keep writing them for long enough, you get to a thousand. And the 600 kilometer one had been a goal for 12 years. Uh, but logistically, it hadn't been possible. So it hadn't been possible because of other stuff. So I wasn't avoiding it. It just wasn't possible. So it kind of happened in the end. So there's something, isn't there? Sometimes it was when you said, Two podcasts every week. You know, you're doing an average of two a week. Yeah. Um, and that person did 20 in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a little note here on my screen that says webinars maximum two per month. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something about flow, isn't there? And what's doable for you and 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 what's yeah, what's doable and sustainable so that you can actually get to the end. Because you might be able to do 20 podcasts in two weeks, but you can't do 100 in f 10 weeks unless you're pretty much not doing anything else yeah yeah it was um one of the big so so the four for people who haven't heard it before the four books so there are four 12 minute method books out now but they were written um over a three-year period really like accidentally like the thousand blogs it's like yeah. i realized after three years oh i've, I've written eighty thousand words by writing for 12 minutes a week for three years. That's that's what it was. So the weird thing about publishing my books is it's happened over the last year, um, but quite a long time after the books had been written. And, and so going back to them through the publishing process and having conversations like this has shifted what how I've seen some of that, some of that. And I've been thinking a lot about the tortoise and the hare, like a lot. It feels like in a way, um the that has been what that's probably the biggest insight for me this year. And it's just, you know, I, I've known the, the Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare since I was a little boy. Um, and yeah, I've never really thought about it. And I've thought about it a lot in the last year as I've been thinking about publishing the books, particularly the second one, which is called how to keep going when you want to give up, which is basically the idea that like, exactly like you said, if, if, if anybody starts writing a blog and doesn't give up on writing it and writes it on a regular basis, in the end, they'll get to a thousand episodes, a thousand uh, posts or, their life will come to an end like one of those will happen first right if yeah. you keep going if you don't give up and that is a an obvious truth <laughs> and yet I, it wasn't obvious to me it's like obvious I guess rationally but not I didn't I wasn't living it I didn't know it on a lived basis and so it's been very interesting to settle into that and really see with um, the writing practice as an example how much better it was for me in so many ways to be the tortoise and not the hair. And it's not to say there isn't there isn't time for the hair. Mo, my friend who did the, I think, 20 in two weeks, like, great. Like, there's lots of times in life where being the hair is very good. But there's, I think I've never, like, I don't know if society tells enough stories about the tortoises. Um, and so it's been very powerful for me to see that and then suddenly start to hear it show up in other places, like with your your thousand thousand blogs. <laughs> On our walk, we told that story so many times because yeah, we, we were always last. <laughs> we were 250 years old between the four of us. And there was <laughs> there was this couple who had super speedy clothes and super speedy <laughs> shoes. And he had a rucksack that looked like it had a blue gun in it. But actually, I think it was walking poles in a blue container. And they passed us really fast every single day for about five or six days. And you'd think, oh, we're not walking fast enough. Look how fast they're walking. But every night when we got where we were going, they were there. Mm. So although they were going faster than us, we were actually achieving the same distance. 
So the first day we were thinking, oh, no, everybody walks past us. We even got overtaken by nuns in their <laughs> in habits. We pretty much, the, the only person who didn't overtake us was somebody who had quite a severe disability. Everybody else overtook us on the walk. But often we would get to the end of the day and we'd be in the same place. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so so tortoises and hares were mentioned daily. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And I think like, again, it's a kind of one of the insights from this year has been, you know, it's underrated, basically sticking for me, be, being willing to stick it out is a kind of underrated quality. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I had seen it in coaching before when I sat down and thought about, you know, what is it that helps people be successful in coaching? I think one of them is I'm here for the long term. Because that helped, at least that helped really helped me in my grow my business and because deal with all deal with, but well, it didn't really help me grow my business. It helped me stick it out yeah. um, because otherwise I was getting stressed and anxious and upset about all the things that were going wrong. And if I, if I needed everything to happen right now, then I was failing. But mm. if I was here for the long term, I could find all kinds of ways to keep going. And I do just think that is a, it's a really powerful idea and way of thinking. And if we're going to set, an ambitious goal like walking 600 kilometers or appearing on 100 podcasts or if you'd set a goal to, to write a thousand articles then um the hair would be really it's really hard to do those things if you if you've got other stuff going on in your, in your life it's not impossible like you could definitely do it and we could talk about that but it's hard and um yeah i got uh it was really, I, I got overwhelmed at the start of the year having set this 100 podcast goal and told people about it and um, it was really useful that I'd written a book about books about all this stuff that we've just been talking about. Cause I, I was like, after like probably a week of having gone public with it, of feeling over massively overwhelmed and not and out of, and not doing anything about it, mm. which is like my classic, which is why I've had to write these books, right? It's my classic way of, way of, way of being, get overwhelmed, get scared, stressed out, stop doing anything. And, and the 12 minute method was, okay, just do something. Right. That was yeah. the, just write something this week. Doesn't matter. Like we'll take the pressure off, do it with the timer, proof it once. That's all. Don't worry about it. Um, and it was like, I, <laughs> I can't remember where I was, but I was thinking, I know how to do this. And so what I actually did to set up my tortoise for this challenge, my tortoise pace was I, sh I, I sat down and thought about it. How much is enough a week for me to be doing on this? Cause it was also like, probably when I was scheduling in the first conversation with you, it's like, there's admin to do for everyone. It's like, I don't have time for the admin, let alone proactively trying to find who these people are going to be that are going to have me on their show. So I thought, what's enough time every week that if I do that, I'll stay on top of it. And mm. I chose 30 minutes. And so I put that in my diary. And, and because of other things, because I've practiced, um, one of the ways I think about it is I've practiced keeping my promises to myself quite a lot over the years. So I now know that I'm pretty good if I've got a thing in my calendar. I didn't used to be, but I'm pretty good now if it's in the calendar and I have committed that it's a really important thing, then even if I have to move that thing, I'll move it to somewhere else in the week yeah. and it's going to yeah. stay up the priorities. I didn't used to be like that, but I, but I am now. So that has mostly, that. What, what one of the things that meant was, because this is interesting, like I was way behind at um, halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. And at half, and at like two thirds of the way through the year, like way behind, it was like, it didn't look like it was possible. That's partly because my other work was this year. I mean, it quite often is because I do some work on some leadership programs that run April to October. And then there's the prep for that. Like my work is weighted towards the first half of the year. And this year it was like doubly so, mm. but it was really good. Right. So the key thing was in those weeks, am I doing something towards this? Because if I'm doing nothing, then by the time I get to the work clearing up in, in September, August, September, October, I've got no chance. And it's like, am I, if I, if I was running a marathon, right? I've never run a marathon, but you, could, you see it in the, you see it on the Olympics or, or, or the European championships or whatever, you know, you've got to hang around in that front pack of runners or be somewhere near it before mm -hmm. somebody kicks off and gets too far ahead. So that if you've got a gas left, see it, they actually see it in other, other things that so you've seen it in 1500 meters, even hang around. And then if you've got that last lap, where you can really kick on with the pace, then, then that's, that's still possible. So, so it, I guess in a way I, it, that was the tortoise in the hair was really key because it was do 30 minutes on this a week. And if I've done 30 minutes, I can relax. And also it key in a key way. And this was the lesson in some ways from publishing the keep going book was uh, what was really good. So one of the things that came out in that book, just to kind of tie this up is because I'd written, I'd accidentally written these books. Right. Um, so, so I, I knew that the, 
there was a bunch of articles that I'd written about keeping going. And then I looked mm. at them and I was like, well, what are the themes in the keeping going ones? Mm. And one of them was, there's a load of hard times. Over three years, there are hard times in life. And so one of the things I realized was, there's a whole section in that book about hard times and keeping going and what I learned from writing in hard times. Mm. But one of the lessons is, well, I, would have, I wouldn't have necessarily named that as a thing you have to do to keep going except that it was written by writing every week. And so it's a bit like the same thing. It's like one of the key lessons is, for me was, if possible, and we have to be kind to ourselves in really difficult times, keep going with your thing, even in a tiny way in those times. Yeah. 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 If possible, even in a tiny way. Because yeah. that keeps the thread. And, and it's really different, I think, to... It's a different decision. It, it feels like this to me anyway, to say, will I start that again? Having given up even for, a, even after a holiday, right? Mm. There's always a decision after a holiday. Will I, because I usually don't write on a holiday. Will I keep my blog going? Now I don't think about it that much these days because it's basically made, but it's like, it's always there. And the gym mm. or exercise is the same. Like any of these habits we have after a break, essentially you have to ask yourself, will I start this again? Whereas if you've been keeping going even a tiny bit, it, I think it feels different. Yeah. Of course, then we have to be kind to ourselves because there are times when, for very good reasons, in really difficult times, we're going to stop doing everything. Mm. So we have to be kind to ourselves in those times. Yeah. Keeping going. It's a powerful thing. Mm. Mm. I'm sitting here thinking I stopped walking. Mm. But that's because that's because of injury. Exactly. It's classic. Actually... Injury is a classic one, isn't it? But it's hard to go back because other things have squished into the space. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting one. So what have been the highlights of your 100 podcasts, Robbie? Well, Claire, the number one and two highlights have been the coaching in. Of course. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> genuinely it has. Like one of the, like the coaching in audience has been one of the most lovely and active audiences that I've interacted with. Oh, great. Um, number of people contacted me after after I was last on the show and had some lovely exchanges and that kind of thing. So it was really lovely. I mean, on this is like a, a this is like a, a silly thing. So what I've what I found, so I've done yeah, I've done challenges a bit like this. Part of the reason I, I did this this hundred podcast thing was because early on in my business I had a coach. And he from nowhere, as far as I remember, in a coaching session. Uh, so Joel Monk was the coach who people who have read the books will know was a big inspiration. It was, it was from that work that the 12 minute method came. But Joel said at one point, I think we should do a challenge where you invite people into coaching conversations. And I really admire the way Joel held those kind of things. And he, it always felt like every time he gave me something like that, which was like a bit of a bit more mentoring than coaching, mm. it was on the money basically mm. at that period for me. And so I did a challenge where I had to invite 30 people into coaching conversations in a month you know a couple of years into my coaching business maybe a year and I did another one a bit later on with a different thing and I found that they are really useful for me to like kind of get out of my own way like I have been able to perhaps because I've played so many games in my life I like I, I could I'm able to hold them as a game to hold them just seriously enough so if they're when you if you're playing a game you see this with people playing with games with children it's like if you don't like if they can't hold the rules of the game then it's not that fun as a game for mm. an adult, right? But if if they're holding it too seriously because they haven't like learned games yet, then it's not that fun either because you kind of have to let them win. And, and the happy spot is you have to have everybody engaged in the game enough that they, uh, what is it? I've heard somebody say this before. Um, engaged in the game enough that, that they're playing and taking it seriously, but also that they know that playing the game in the long term like keep being able to be invited back next time is the important thing. So you have to hold it seriously enough, but not too seriously because yeah. the, the long game is we all have fun with the game. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the tough things about, um, and thinking about goals. I think goals in coaching, it's tough with clients because often the goals are really important to somebody. Otherwise they wouldn't be paying you money and showing up every week or every month or whatever. Um, so I've, I'd learned that holding these challenges is, 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 um, is important about holding it lightly. So it gets me creative. It gets me out of my own way and it makes me ask for help. And and those are all quite hard things for me. Like the creative thing, a bit less, but the other two 
quite hard. And what I found about them is, like, if you're playing the game, you have to detach from the outcome to a certain extent. So in some ways, this is a, this challenge, this goal was a goal about getting word out about my books. Mm. Once, once I've set the challenge for that reason, I have to detach from that for me because then I have to play, just play the game and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. And um, uh, I've created an enormous body of work over it, but, but, but like there've been lots of unexpected things have happened. So um, meeting, like it's so obvious to me, right? I love the reason I do the creativity work is that I love people who make stuff happen. I love people who create cool things in their corners of the world, whether it's like a handmade, you know, model or it's a podcast. And so of course it's super fun for me to meet you know, it hasn't been 80, it hasn't been 100. Um, in fact, yeah, it's funny, Claire, because when this is coming out, I don't know yet as we're recording this, if I'll get to 100. We can maybe talk about that in a bit. But, you know, it won't be 100, even if I've been on 100 podcasts. But let's say I'll have met 60, 70 or people who yeah. run these kinds of shows and or, or run series of events. And they're re- mostly they're really interesting people. So there's been lots of new connections. That's been a total highlight. Um. And then a kind of practical highlight is I, um, uh, other than the coaching in which genuinely has been a highlight. Um, so when I was working out what to do with my books and how they would be published, I got some advice to read. Uh, I can't remember what it was. The Writers and I, uh, the Writers and Artists Yearbook Guide to Publishing, something like that. Yeah. I might have got that horribly wrong. I think that um, is the name of it. Yeah, and but but there was a particular one. It wasn't the most up to date edition that someone was recommending. It was like an old one written yeah. by because they're written by different people. Oh. And the guy Harry who had written the old one, like I didn't want to buy the old one because it was like old, and it was like quite old, like ten years old or something. And and the world of publishing has changed enormously in the last five years, let alone ten. But I found that he runs now a community for writers. So I, I joined this writers community called Jericho Writers, um, and it really helped me just kind of understand the publishing world, which was really hard. And I was obviously in some ways just getting tangled in resistance, right? And because it was like overwhelming and so I wasn't doing anything, but they helped me get into action. And a really fun thing was, so the, the challenge makes me um, get out of my own way, right? So it's like, I'm, I've got, I, I start, I start, near the start, I start collecting a list of, of potential things that I could appear on because it's important. I've learned that I need to like, when I have the idea, I need to write it down somewhere so that I don't forget it. And it's great because slowly my list grows gets mm. longer and longer some of them outrageous ones some of them uh me doing things because it's like again write the write your own rules um and at some point i wrote jericho writers on there so i was like oh that's that, that's a thing but and then i remember sitting i got an email from them about their york festival of writing and i was like oh that would be cool and i bet there'd be some writers there who would love to hear this 12 minute story and it'd really help them but i was obviously then i was like yeah but who am i to appear at york festival of writing jericho run by jericho writers like I'm a nobody. I've published at this point, I don't know, one book, mm. maybe two. Like, what? Like, no way. And then the game kicks in because it's like, yeah, but if I don't send this email, like this one, am I going to send any others? Like, have I really got any chance? I basically, now I've sat here for five minutes thinking about this or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. It might have been longer. If I don't write this email now, I'm never going to hit the 100. So I sent this email to this woman, Anna, saying, um, what about York Festival of Writing? I've got this thing. Here's the link. And she emailed back pretty much straight away saying, uh, no, we're fully booked for that. But do you want to do an event at our October Builder Book Month? And so it's like, and then I did it, you know, in, wow. in October. And so, and that's meaningful because it's like returning to the the place that, a place that was meaningful for me. But it was also such a great reminder for me of just like, you don't know how, because she just said, oh, your work looks great. Yeah, come on. So all that self-doubt and worry that I had, like, who am I to be do this? You know, she just looked at me and saw something different and said, yeah, come and do it. Um, Amazing. And so those kinds of, that's the kind of thing that this kind of goal helps me with. And there are other mm. stories a bit like that as well. The kind of, the other thing is, yeah, maybe the another one is the other end of the scale was my friend Mike had been asked to do a talk for a part of Deutsche Bank's they were running a learning week. And he said, look, I don't really want to do a talk, but they won't let me do a workshop. <laughs> I want to have a thing where everyone's in breakouts and things. And they, that's not what they're interested in. So I said, I don't want to do that, but I thought you might. <laughs> and normally I would have gone, uh, do I re- is talking to Deutsche Bank's like learning week, really my thing. Like, and, and some of that might've been real. And some of it might've been my self doubt, but because mm. of the game, 
I was like, I have to say yes, don't I? I have to say yes to everything. And they, you know, and Mike was like, and um, they're Deutsche Bank, so make sure they pay you plenty of money. Um, and they did pay me some money. Not, not. I'm sure if I'd really been in it for the money, I could have got them to pay me more. But um, mm. so, so, but that was so. Those are like two ends of it of like unexpected organizations that I've ended up doing, you know, speaking to. Um, and the reason that they count as podcasts is because when I thought about the podcast thing, it's like, what is this actually about? It's about telling the stories, inspiring people into action who are stuck. And really, you know, how do I know who, how many people are listening to a show? And actually they were, they didn't record the Deutsche Bank one in the end, but they they recorded the Jericho one. So that'll be there on the Jericho website forever mm. now, as far as I know. And so it's like, it counts basically. So for people who are going, that's not a podcast, which is a fair response to hear to this, these stories. Um, I'm always trying to listen to what's like, what's the real point of this? That's one of the lessons that I've learned is um, what's the real, like, yeah, what's, what's the real point of this? And the real point of this is to, and I, that's where it all came from was me asking what's real success for my books actually. Mm. And it, it's well, people hearing it and thinking I've hearing something, reading the books, it would have been, thinking I've been meaning to do this thing for a long time and, and now I've come across your work and I've finally done it and that's really meaningful for me but people mm. can get that from the podcast and that's where the that's where the goal came from really it's how can I create that real success that meaningful thing for me um, and part of it is by having conversations and part of that was by saying yes to everything everything that fits this game <laughs> right so like because it you know it actually one of the things, one of the reasons I think I've done, I've got, I've, I've got, I've got at least close to this, is because I've learned over the years about setting goals for a year. So I've done a yearly goal setting cycle for all, for probably five, maybe this might be the, I can't remember if this is the fifth or the sixth year using a, a particular goal setting exercise. One of the key things I've learned is the most dangerous things uh, for the things that are most important to you. If you like the things that are most likely to make you make me stop doing the things that are most important to me are the things that are next most important to me. Ah, right. So like mm. um, there's a Warren Buffett story that James Clear tells in a blog about this. But it's like essentially if you've got 25 goals for the year and you choose your top five, which is what I do, then the next 20 become the avoid at all costs list until the five are done because they're really interesting, meaningful and um, significant. They're just not as meaningful and significant. And if you spread yourself too thin, then this stuff is very difficult. So yes to everything that, that fits the rules of my game and bend the rules of the game if there's some stuff that feels like it should fit. So for example, I started a new podcast of my own this year and I was like, this doesn't quite fit the rules, but if this is about me telling, creating work that tells in some way the stories that help people get inspired to do the things they've been meaning to do which is what it's about then if i make in the end i think 14 episodes of a new podcast then that counts because this body of work is going to be there for as long as i leave it there and who knows which is the bit that inspires somebody yeah um yeah and so uh so therefore saying yes to the right things but also saying no to things which is tough like I, essentially this year, publishing the books and doing this, I've said no to doing active business development work on my coaching practice. Like I basically haven't done any it's for mm. two years now because I realized that, you know, and I'm lucky that my coaching business by this time feeds itself just enough. And I've got enough relationships that that, that works. Um, and some stuff came in, which made that even more work, even better, you know, a bit by chance or the universe helping me. But that's been quite tough but actually to make the space to do this. It's like what happens when I'm, you know, in October sitting down with a clear afternoon. Well, I say yes to doing stuff on, on the podcast challenge and no to everything else mm. um, in theory. Mm. Uh, yeah. So yes to everything that resembles it, but not yes to everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you and I just had a little bit of a chat at, didn't we? About, something that you were asked to do and that I was asked to do. And because you said, mm. yes, I decided to say no. Yeah. <laughs> good, good choice. And I probably, said, and I probably some... said, yeah, I probably said yes to it because it had the energy of the podcast challenge. Yeah. Um, basically. You know, yeah. It's interesting. It doesn't quite fit. I'm not going to include it on my list. Yeah. But it was interesting that that was what I, a, a mutual friend of ours, Jamie Drew, basically sent me exactly the same message as you about an hour later or two hours later. And 
I don't know whether he's going to do it, but it's like, I had that insight that, oh, it's because it's the energy of the podcast challenge. I said yes to this thing, which I normally, I think, would have said no to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it was an email that was asking for us to put in some work to be yeah. published, wasn't it? And it was really unclear. And when I searched them on the internet, I didn't really find very much. In fact, yeah. the only, apart from your name, which is why I then said to you, well that's good for me then so it's good that one as long as in fact i should have said to you and jamie don't do this thing because then it's useful for me to have done it isn't it if i'm the because you come to the top when we search (laughs) yeah although that might just be that makes me think i've been thinking a bit again about and we talked about a bit last time actually um i've been thinking again about the social media stuff and the um my latest 12 minute one of my 12 minute blogs this late this year was um about that like maybe google just showed you that maybe other people would have found other yeah. You know, personalized Google might have showed you me because it knows somehow secretly that you know me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I said no to that, which is smart. Um, it's like when you start talking about sewing machines, Facebook starts showing you sewing machine ads. It's really terrifying. I've, I've, yeah, like I said, I've re-engaged with that thing a bit and I'm feeling more unsettled about it, I think, than I have for a long time. Mm. Um, yeah, like I heard couple of things i went to an event with some people speaking about it and just this thing that it like we don't have shared reality anymore yeah and you know because and and it's worse than that like because what's what the social media algorithms do when they're just this is what i heard from a guy called daniel schmachtenberger it's a hard name to spell so (laughs) but and so uh, that won't be in the show notes won't be in the show notes (laughs) but you can try try googling that and google the good thing about google right is it all correct your spelling of Schmachtenberger. There's a, there's a couple of CHs in there for people who want to look for him. Uh, and also Tristan Harris, who's the kind of one of the leading thinkers on this stuff, you know, how it, the algorithms, they keep our attention by showing us the, the thing that will make us most angry and outraged about everything, mm. essentially. And so we are outraged about things that aren't really that outrageous and we agree with other people. Then they were talking about democracy. It's just, yeah, so I'm feeling unsettled about all that at the moment. Sorry for bringing us onto that. And, but it is like, so, so I think, you know, I, the reason that's interesting that what I'm saying it is because when you mentioned Facebook listening to you, essentially, mm. I used to kind of laugh about that a bit and it's quite useful. Like I quite like it sometimes when I'm getting the adverts, it's quite interesting, but at the moment I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. This morning it showed me an advert for, for stuff you put on the walls when you have a spray tan you can protect your walls when you have a spray tan and I just laughed because I thought why are you giving this to me this is a random advert although now I've said the word (laughs) yeah it's not gonna be random anymore Claire um and (laughs) we never sit in our house because we do a lot of Duolingo so Duolingo is is classic I don't know if you've ever done Duolingo it's it's like classic tortoise and hare Claire like it's like I think about it a lot so I've got like a people who don't know it it's a language learning app um and I so one of the episodes so my my new podcast was um about uh i'll get back to the adverts in a sec let me do this little can i do this little digression of course because i love duolingo and when you were talking about gamification i was thinking about the fact that i opened french because i know french because i wanted to get some extra points yes (laughs) classic yeah classic sometimes well they've just on mine i don't know if it's reached yours yet they've just updated the way it works and i suspect that the way it works is updated to to make it make us to force us to learn a bit more and and play a game a bit less right um, but but so the 12 minute method podcast that i created this year as part of the challenge was um was is is me sitting down with uh, like in the end i think 14 or 12 i can't remember um things that i have procra- wanted to do not done for a long time and then finally done because i was like what have i what what are the things in common about those things? Like what has the mm. process of each one been? And I do it using a 12 minute timer because that felt like the obvious thing to do. Um, and Duolingo is one of my favorite ones to do. And I keep trying to tell the story of Duolingo to make it into a a transformational story for people. But I don't think people, it, when I've told that on podcasts before, it hasn't really worked. Maybe it'll work now because you like Duolingo as well. But basically the, the insight I had when I made the episode of the, the, the 12 minute method podcast was, so I, we lived in Costa Rica for three months, partly because my wife's work seconded her there. And we, I'd wanted to learn a language. Like I loved language learning at school. And then by chance, absolute classic, like going on holiday, I couldn't do French and maths at A-level because I went to a little school and 
you had to choose. And I chose maths um, because I love maths. And, but kind of, but loved French. That was probably my second favorite subject. So it was like the universe really making me, forcing me to choose. And so ever since then, I wanted to learn a language and I hadn't done it. And then we went to Costa Rica and it was stressful. Now they're really friendly in Costa Rica, great place to learn um, Spanish. But um, we had a Spanish tutor because Emma's work um, paid for that for her. And I snuck in at the back. And that was a really good way to learn Spanish. Much better than Duolingo. Except thought, Duolingo teach you South American Spanish. So. <laughs> it does. Yes. Yeah. So you can't order an orange juice in Spain using no, Duolingo. It's very hard. When it's I first, the wrong word. <laughs> when, and also they have accents. So when I first went to Spain after having learned on Duolingo for a few years, um, it was really, really hard. They speak a lot faster in, and they're a little bit less patient than the Costa Ricans. Yeah. But um, I, so when I came back, I was like, oh, I thought I would definitely get a tutor again because I loved it so much. But I thought, while I'm doing it, I'll keep my Duolingo going. And I've never got a tutor. So imagine, and, I, and I've got like a four and a half year Duolingo streak. Wow. So imagine if I had, if I had not done like, so it's, it's infinitely better that I have kept going with Duolingo than what would have happened. It, so it's not, so let's do tortoise and hare. So hare is get a Spanish tutor, speaks to them every week or twice a week. Um, if you could maintain Spanish tutor, if I'd maintained Spanish tutor for the last four and a half years, that would be better. I would be better at Spanish than Duolingo. Yes. But I wouldn't have done that. Exactly. Um, and I have done Duolingo for four and a half years. Um, uh, and this is a long way of saying me and my wife do a Duolingo. It's a big thing in our house. We have to do it at the same time, but we get completely different adverts. And it's really funny to watch me getting harassed about online businesses and coaching and her getting, you know, <laughs> like just the kind of adverts, like women's adverts, basically constantly. Um, and sometimes they're interesting. And sometimes I like screen grab them for a project I've got in mind for one day, which is to make a like a, a parody coaching training, which is like how to get how to work hard for a long time and grow a, a small to medium sized coaching business. You know, some point I'll make that thing and I'm, and I'm trying to collect adverts which say, come and do my thing. And in, in two minutes, you'll have your seven figures because um, we can just change all those for like, if you do this thing for a long time, you might have five clients which is i think more the, more the reality of coaching mm. um yeah the adverts are very strange yeah that's a I long digression class <laughs> sorry i paid for one year oh, did you so that i can go quickly while i'm yeah. motivated and then nice. when i slow down then i'll stop paying yeah that's interesting isn't it yeah because duolingo that's that's how they monetize it yeah you have to that's a good point like there are times when yeah, we, we, I run out of hearts and basically stop. Yeah. yeah. It was a really nice, I heard a really nice interview. People are interested in the way they, like, they think about this really carefully. Um, There's a really nice interview on the Tim Ferriss show with the CEO of, or one of the founders of Duolingo, whose name I think is Luis Arn, A-H-N. He's Guatemalan, really interesting guy. But um, yeah, they think about it really carefully. And I, I think Duolingo also is like, if we think about the technology thing that we were just talking about, the um, Duolingo is like using technology, using the addictive nature of technology for good or yeah. for me. Like it's like leveraging it so that I'm learning a language which is better than uh, scrolling Facebook. Um, it's also why the scrolling Facebook thing and, and the attention economy and that kind of thing. I think it's one of the reasons why helping people make um, make something meaningful for them is important. Because if like if we were all making a meaningful thing every week something meaningful to us, I don't, like, I don't know what it is, and sharing it. And let's say we shared that, or we shared a meaningful thing someone else had made, and we shared one less angry post, outraged post. Yeah. Like, the world's quite a bit better, and those social media algorithms are, are a bit easier on everyone. Now, it won't work that well. Like, you know, if I wrote clickbaity articles about how evil, you know, insert political party here is for insert you know current controversy here <laughs> um every week i would have a lot more followers on yeah. um linkedin and twitter than i do um but i don't want to do that because it doesn't feel like the honorable thing to do i guess mm. we're right back to honor yeah. yeah so robbie are you willing to share your goals for 2023 <laughs> such a good question 
So I had an amazing one of my podcasts. Here's another highlight um, was on Leadership Live with an amazing coach called Daphna Horowitz. And she'd been a guest on my show. And her co- her podcast is often her coaching people. So here's the thing. I think I would. I've, I've done this twice in the year. I wouldn't have probably done either. I would say one didn't like create big insight for me. Like I can't remember what happened on it, but the one with Daphna, partly maybe it's quite recently, was a really powerful coaching session. And she, one of the people can go and listen to it. Um, I'm sure it'll be out. If it's not out now, it'll be out soon. Um, and hmm, like the insight was essentially, uh, let me see if I can do it. Um, so I have had a bunch of ways that have really served me for thinking about goal setting. Mm. And she, the, what we caught in the coaching session, the thing she reflected back to me was essentially, it sounds like those things are now a barrier for you. Ah. Um, and certainly I needed to be shaken out of, like I basically, if you'd asked me this before that coaching session, I would have probably told you some things that I thought were in it but I would have done it with an energy of a uh, kind of hesitant energy. Mm. And I'm not sure that those same things won't end up in it, but um, they'll come from a different place now. Um, and I think that's just like a really important, uh, what would it be like thing that's an outcome from coaching sometimes often mm. for me and, and for, for clients. It's like you end up in the same place, but why you're there is for a completely different reason. And that makes a difference to how you end up how successful I end up being or the client ends up being with the thing. So the, yeah. the, the, the podcast challenge is probably a good example of that as well. If I had, if I, if I wasn't tied, if I hadn't tied it to a deeper meaning, more meaningful success than sell some books by appearing on some podcasts, I don't think I would have kept going with it. It wouldn't have been meaningful. It wouldn't have really um, stayed with me. Uh, but because it was tied to a really meaningful success for me, helping people finally do these things that tie them in creative hell, um, then, you know, that's that's one of the things that, that keeps me going. Um, so look, I've ha- so I don't know. And actually what I said to Daphne was, I wasn't, I'm not sure if I'm actually, I wasn't going to do the, the goal setting exercise at ah. all. Now I might have come back on that, um, mm. you know, but again, coming back from that good place because because I, it's just it's really useful for me to have something for the reason we've just said right the afternoon where there's nothing do i just get lost in my inbox or do i choose to do something something that's actually meaningful and how do i know what the meaningful thing is but the the, the phrase that we came to which it's hard for me to say is i because a bit like uh being creative this is a word that i find it hard to connect myself to but i basically need to connect to the visionary that's what we get we got to so it's like instead of being stuck in the goal setting or the Ah. task focused person you know in some ways the books out and tied to that the podcast challenge has been the what we say like the completion of a cycle Mm. because these things were these these books were written finished i finished writing them in 2019 so getting them out feels like the completion of something and then I don't know, so I can keep just running with all the stuff that I'm doing. But actually what came out of the coaching session was I need to shake into a different way of seeing things. So being less task focused and more vision focused. Um, so, well, so my goals are maybe, maybe our walk can be one of these. Um, uh, because the thing that came out of it was the most important is to protect, is, is that in 2023, I protect space for the visionary, right? Which for me means... Um, what I came to was two so I've twice done retreats but they were both pre-covid just myself once was explicitly writing one but once was more a, a where is my work going mm. it was a walk actually in the Peak District and by myself and that's so so my one of my goals for 2023 is to have two retreats and um, one holiday like an actual holiday booked proactively because we like me and my wife are really good at reactive holidays so we've already got booked in like some time with her siblings and things, but we're we're less good at proactive holidays. Maybe that's a bit harsh. We might have done it if we hadn't just moved house. We might have done one this autumn, but um, that. And then where else do I? And then how do I find that space on the on a more regular basis outside of those as well? So 
Walter, I've been thinking we've moved to the countryside. How do I make sure that each week, you know, I'm spending some time in the countryside? So maybe, so so that's what I've got in terms of goals. I'm not sure if I'm going to do the 25-5 thing again. And then I've got loads of ideas. And this is why it is probably, might be worth me doing it. Because like I want, I, you know, one of my old clients was like, I haven't read any of your books because I don't read. I only listen. When's it going to be on audiobook? And I was like, oh, yeah. And also like the entrepreneurial person in me is like, there's a load of things I can like fun, creative things I can learn about, about um, the books or in that kind of space. Um, so I'm sure if I like, and the, because you, partly because you just said, oh yeah, I like that leading with honor. I'm back to like, oh yeah, I've got a few ideas for that projects to do with that. So we'll see about those. But I think that the the most important goal is for me for 2023 is going to be to protect space for not doing essentially and it sounds as though for you there's something about goals protecting you from the things that you'd love to do that actually aren't the things to do at the moment yeah that is how as a nice opening, that is how that exercise works. So a woman called Sarah Cartwright was the first person to say this to me, but I she didn't, you know, that's why I love it. Like, no we talked about this before, I think. No new wisdom, right? But Sarah was the first person to say to me, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Yeah. If you say no to other to things, you're you're creating the space to say yes to something else. And that has been like one of the most important insights for me. Um in my work and life, I would say. And that goal setting one is, is just another way of saying that same thing, right? But it but it absolutely has been like, it's been an exercise in what matters most. Like you could using goal setting as a, as a way to ask that question, I think. Yeah, wow. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, Robbie, and we'll, we will go for a walk. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it, it helped me do that, um, but uh, let's do it, yeah. And we won't record it just for everybody's information. So uh, just tell us what your new books are called. Yeah. So as we said, they're quite long. And that's partly because I got, they're in fact longer than I, I say them. So one of the things that came out of my journey with publishing, partly from Jericho, was I wanted to have a team around me that were really good at what they did. And that was most important, more important to me than was it a particular publisher or a particular way of publishing. And the people that I worked with on the first two books and a bit on the third um we can have a conversation another time about why that or it didn't carry on you know they talked about how do you help people stumble across your work in the internet age because yeah. it's not the same as a like you know it people don't buy books in the way they used to it's not all about bookshops mm. um and so they're 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 titled in some ways for that and it took me quite a long time to get to make peace with the fact that i was uh calling on her books things that felt too definitive for me. So the first one is called How to Start When You're Stuck. Um, and then it's got, it's actually called How to Start a Book, Business or Creative Project When You're Stuck, because that's like SEO on Amazon. Um, and I found it quite hard to have a book that um, felt like it was answering such a big question because mm. I had written it accidentally. And who am I to write a book like that? And one of the great things about um, going through this is you become someone who, I've become someone who's got books called things like that. And now I've, feel much more like that person so that's the first one the second one is how to keep going when you want to give up that's the tortoise and hare book really yeah um the one that the fourth one which in a way is the one to talk about next is um how to share what you've made um and those are the three for me those are the three like most important ones if you want to do meaningful work you have to start it you have to keep going with it and at some point you have to share with share it mm. now the third book is an interesting one because it's called how to create the conditions for great work and the reason I'm talking about it fourth, and I possibly should have, no, I think I published them in the right order, but talking about it fourth is because the three most important conditions for great work are that you start, keep going and share it. And and many projects, including mine, have been wrecked on the rocks of cre speech marks creating the conditions. Mm. So it's like, I'll start writing when, you know, uh, I've got a nice desk or my office yes. is set up, or I'll um, start my business when my kids are at nursery but actually I, I only have like the mornings now because the nursery is only open nine till three so I'll start it when uh, they go to school but then something else happens then and suddenly they're at university and the business has never been started it's mm -hmm. like so the create the conditions thing comes last but for me it's an important part of the journey because I've always been interested in making an impact in the world and fulfilling my potential those are questions contribution and potential have been 
questions that have driven this phase of my life in lots of ways. So that's the um, third book, and but the fourth one I've mentioned. So they're all going to be in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, so please do dip into them and have a look, have a read, everyone. And Robbie's contact details will also be in the show notes so that you can pick up the conversation. So, Robbie, we will pick our conversation up on the hills. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, just to say, like, I think it's been a such a pleasure to have this conversation and to be bringing the year to an end in this way. I hope, like, I'm looking forward to listening back in that because it's like a, it's a really interesting time, you know, this, the holiday period, like, difficult for lots of people, but, but a kind of voluntary slowing down for a lot of people. So it's mm. nice to be able to have a conversation about goal setting. Mm. I guess like they're not for everybody, but those challenges, especially if you've got someone to play them with and help you with them, they've been so important for me. And so mm. um, I'm happy to help people create those ones, I, you know, because I like the game element of it. Yeah. Um, and, or, or to, you know, reflect with people on that. So if, if people want help with that, do reach out. But otherwise, yeah, thanks so much, Claire. And well, thank you. All, you. The, all the listeners a wonderful 2023. Indeed. And here's a game for the end of the year. What we've done in our house for about the last 15 or 20 years is we do an A to Z of the year. Mm. So we write down a word. So it might be a place or a person or a thing we did that just reminds us of what a year we've had and what's been good and what's been bad. So if anyone wants a a looking back fun game, that might be a useful thing. So happy new year, everyone. Uh, We'll see you next year. And I'm sure Robbie will be back in 2023. (laughs) I'd love to. Uh, And Robbie, thank you very much. So you've been at the Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick, and I've been in conversation with Robbie Swale. Bye-bye, everyone. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at the Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching In, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.